great service. Uh, I guess we'll just uh, open up, before we go any further, we'll open up the word of prayer. Uh, let's bow heads and close eyes. Lord, we thank you Lord for bringing us here together, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you uh, help me not to deliver this message, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, it will be your words. Uh, we spoke a lot tonight, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you will help us, Lord, to learn something new, Lord, or be reminded of something, Lord, and uh, to be strengthened and motivated tonight, Lord. Uh, Lord, we lift up the rest of this evening towards you, Lord, because of our sins, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so <clears throat> today's uh, message is going to be on resilience. So uh, back when Pastor told me, uh, if I asked me if I can preach, a week before that, we had a guest speaker in our, at our high school. And, you know, you have, uh, it was basically, you know, your typical motivational talk. And uh, he was, his topic was on resilience. And uh, after, you know, hearing what he had to say about resilience, you realize that, uh, you know, the, the world's, you know, health tips and the world's, um, I guess, you know, way of getting uh, around difficult times is a lot different to what the Bible has. That's right. And, you know, uh, when I heard him speak, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, it's the usual, you know, uh, you know, be yourself, whatever you are, just be yourself. You know, don't listen to others. And you know, halfway through, and you, you know, you start to think, you know, is this, you know, trying to make us resilient or rebellious? And, you know, <laughs> That's true. Because you know, a lot of the times you're just being, you know, you know, your parents. You know, they're too old, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, just be yourself and you, you, you'll get through it. You know, you know, you know everything is going good in life and things, you know, things like that. But basically, that was where I, you know, got the inspiration for my message for resilience. And resilience, uh, if you don't already know, is the ability to get through basically, you know, tough stuff or tough moments, difficult times, things like that. Uh, resilience is really important, not just for yourself, but also for your influence on those who you know you're surrounded by. And uh, if we open up in our first verse for tonight, Job chapter 2, verse 9. Job chapter 2, verse 9. Job chapter Chapter two, verse nine. If we can all just stand for the first, uh, first verse, read all together. Job chapter two, verse nine. All together, ready, read. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still maintain thy integrity? Curse God and die. Okay, thank you. Maybe seated. So, resilience. Uh, our first point is resilience as a choice. So resilience. It's, you know, your ability to get through uh, tough moments and tough uh, points in your life, as I said, is not important to you only, but also to others. You can show this by, if you, just by a show of hand, if you've ever been uh, a part of a, a team or a team sport, can you raise your hand? A team sport can be basketball, football, netball, I don't know, math, group, uh, chess club, any, any team sport. If you just keep, keep your hands up. If, you, if you're part of a team sport. Keep your hand up if you've ever lost by a landslide. Okay, we're honest people. Um, Andre, do you remember the score? Or, or what, what score was it? Basketball. Do you remember the score? Uh, like 60-something, six, yeah, 20. 60-something, 20? I'm going to keep asking until someone loses more than me. 
Adrian, what score were last basketball? You know the score? Uh, 112 to 20 something. 20 oh, something. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so bad. Yeah, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Brother Brent, do you remember your score? Um, it was in the, it was in the 80s. It was rugby. Uh, it was something like 60 to 9. Yeah, we're all laughing at Adrian, but I asked this because I remember one day, I don't know if Adrian remembers this game, but we were playing against, I think, Mount Albert Grandma, and uh, Adrian was coaching his Linfield team on the other side of the court, and I was playing on the, the opposite side of the, uh, on a different court, and uh, basically the game started, and it started off good, you know, we were only down by like three or two, and then uh, um, basically like the gap got a bit wide, like they're up by seven. Everybody, I shot, I've only shot one three in my whole college year, and I made it, so I'm 100%. <laughs> I'm better than Curry, basically. Uh, I would say those passes go to stay, but I shot the three, and um, the player who inbounded, he came running across, and we're doing a full court trap, and I banged my knee into his knee. Now, if you've ever played basketball, if you bang your knee into another player's knee, for some reason only one person gets injured, I don't know why. But only one person ends up going down, and usually the other person just keeps on going. And uh, basically I went down, and the knee is really sensitive, uh, I, I went out, and I was sitting down, I was injured, and I was lying down on the bench, and first half finishes, and they, they come around the bench and the coach starts talking, and then they go back out there, and I, I remember I was lying down, after a few minutes, I look, you know, to the court, and minute by minute, I sort of see the faces of my teammate like start to crumble. Or we start, you know, it looks, it's very obvious that you know they're starting to give up. And you know, it goes closer towards the end of the game. No one's running back on defense. You know, everyone's sort of, you know, got a gloomy. There's a gloomy aura. You know, no one's talking on offense. You no, know, no one's, you know, encouraging each other when they score because they didn't score, but. Basically, the game finished, the game finished, and I went over and I saw the scoreboard. And Adrian, what was your one? 112 to 20 something. 112 to 20 something. Okay, our one was around 108 to around 15. So we lost by, we lost by a lot. But, um, so you were the star player? Of course. <laughs> uh, but but the, the thing is though, even with me on the on the bench, I couldn't see the score, but I could tell what was happening on the court, all because of the way that they they presented themselves and the way that you realized that our team in year nine wasn't pretty uh, resilient uh, when when it came to losses. So it's very important that you know in this time, Job is going through the worst moment in his life. You know, he's he's had trial after trial, and the first thing that he hears from you know a lot of his life is his wife is. I can find it. Curse God and die. If you're on the uh, on the bench, if you're if you're in a, in a sports game and you're down by a lot and you know you're doing bad, the last thing you want to hear is, you know, uh, you know, just get off. You're not gonna win. Just get off. That's the last thing you want to hear if you're if you're down in the game. So resilience is something that not only affects us but our surroundings. So if we're gonna be a resilient Christian. It's not just for ourselves. We know that we have people who follow us. You know, we know that we have you know siblings who follow us. We have classmates who follow us. 
And even if they, you know, don't know exactly what's going on in your life, if you present yourself as, you know, a weak Christian, or one who's not Brazilian, they're going to know. They'll be the first to know. So, if we were, to, uh, yeah, resilience affects others. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Second Timothy 4.10. Second Timothy chapter four verse ten reads For demon for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Thessalonica uh, and presents to Galatia Titus unto Dalmatia. How would Paul be feeling right now? You know, as a Christian, knowing that, you know, your fellow team member, your fellow, you know, uh, colleague, your fellow brother in Christ has left the ministry. A lot of times, and uh, tell me if you've heard this phrase before, whether it be in sports or whether it be in any type of, you know, competitive uh, environment, before you go into a match, have you ever heard, or before you go into a game, you see who you're going against and you hear one of your players, and I'm guilty of this as well. And you say, you know, oh man, we've already lost. Or you've finished the game, you know, already, and you've lost by a lot, and you come into the huddle and you say, oh, no worries, we're going to lose anyway. Have you ever heard that phrase? I'm guilty of this phrase as well. After, you know, you got beaten, and after we got beaten by Open Grandma, we came into the huddle, and the first thing you say was, we, uh, first thing a lot of the, the, the players said was, no worries, you know, don't be sad, we're going to lose anyway. We're going to lose anyway. You know, whatever happened in the game, we're going to lose anyway. That's a really, you know, horrible mindset, especially yeah. in our, our Christian lives already, because what that tells us is that you weren't resilient, you weren't committed from the start. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing with, uh, you know, with our Christian lives is that resilience, resilience, you don't choose to be resilient once trials come. Resilience is a decision you made before the trial in preparation yep. of it. Yep. You know, uh, say you're a, a soldier. Say we're in a war. You know, we're all soldiers. And, uh, you know, we're in, the, we're in the battlefield. And, you know, there's gunfire. Do you think a soldier in a war chooses to, res to, chooses to be resilient after he gets shot in the leg? Does that, does that seem like a sensible thing? You're in a war, you get shot in the leg. Oh, this is my time to be resilient. Do you think that's the appropriate time to, you know, to prepare to be resilient? No. The soldiers, you know, when they go out into a war, they're already prepared, they've already chosen, they've already committed themselves to be a resilient soldier so that when the time comes that they get shot in the leg, they can press forward. It's not your time to be resilient once you've reached the trial. The trial was there because you were supposed to be resilient. You're supposed to have that choice to push on before the trial. So a lot of times, you know, we think that this resilient, really resiliency is a is an emotion. You know, it's an instinct that you know when you're down by a hundred, when you get shot in the leg, that's you know your time to you know learn how to be resilient and you know 
really put a, you know, uh, choose to be resilient. No. We need to think of uh, being resilient, especially as a Christian, as a behavior. Because if you use it as a choice that you make, you know, oh, I'll be resilient then and not, you know, during this time. When you really, you know, get into it, when you're really in the real world, the time for you to be, uh, you know, res resilient, and if you, if you haven't already said it as a behavior prior, it's, it's not going to happen, or it barely will ever happen. You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, maybe you're, you don't find yourself as committed. I remember, you know, my first times, you know, going out, uh, tracking with uh, the church I was in before. We'd go tracking every Sunday after service. And I remember before, I was like, I think it's not an intermediate. And I was, you know, shy. You know, I wasn't as committed as I was now to the Lord. And, you know, we went to go tracking. And I remember they said, Oh, we just got like mailboxing. Now, when you think of a mailbox, you know, it's not really frightening. A mailbox is not going to do anything to you. So I just went in there, you know, I didn't pray. I wasn't as committed. And I remember the first time that I saw someone next to the mailbox. What happens then? Do you still give it to the... Do you put it, do you put it in the mailbox? Oh, you're supposed to. But, you know, I didn't make that prior... Choice to be uh, a committed Christian, to be a resilient Christian. You know, I thought that you know, if there's a person, oh, I just you know put it in when I when I get there. It wasn't a prior choice for me. I was just on and off when it came to being committed to the Lord. And I ended up, you know, you swear, or even it doesn't even have to be a person. It could be a dog. If there's a dog in front of the mailbox, are you still going to be you know you go put it in the mailbox? A lot of times, no. And you know, I don't know what it is. It's usually never the big dogs, the small dogs, because they're just so loud. So, you know, if you're going to be committed unto the Lord, if you're going to, you know, if you think you're going to be resilient, uh, you know, for the Lord's work, we need to take it as a prior choice, a, you know, a form of preparation. It's not an emotion, it's not an instinct that, you know, we naturally have. So we need to be prepared. <clears throat> no resilience up. Uh, Resilience is often not a distinct but a prior commitment with God. Number two, a resilient Christian is a frontline Christian. Mark chapter 14, Mark chapter 14, verse 54. <clears throat> Mark 14, 54. Reads, and Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. <clears throat> this is uh, Peter at this moment. He had a visual of the Lord. He could still see the Lord. He can tell because he was following him. The only problem is he's following him, what? Afar off. Uh, this is a moment where in which, you know, why wasn't Peter, you know, following or uh, being close with the Lord. Why wasn't he sticking up with the Lord? And a lot of times he likes to, you know, bash Peter because he's impulsive and he, you know, did a lot of things and was scolded by the Lord. But uh, we can also relate to uh, Peter. If, you know, say we're in a, a moment where, you know, someone is mocking, you know, the word of God or someone is mocking God, you know, you might be standing there and in your own heart you say, oh, that's wrong. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. But you never voice your opinion. 
you still think it's wrong. You know, you still you still know that it's you know a bad thing to do, but you're not gonna be a resilient Christian about it. You're just gonna stay back. You know it's wrong. You know, you know, you, you can see what is wrong. Uh, Peter, he saw Jesus. He knew Jesus in his heart, but he wasn't gonna take that extra step. He wasn't gonna be in the front line. If you're gonna be a resilient Christian, and this is something I, I, I you know, suffer with a lot, I struggle with a lot, is being a, not just being a Christian, not just being a Christian who comes on Sunday, but being a frontline Christian. What does a frontline Christian look like? When you're on the front lines, you don't have time to take breaks. Monday, Tuesday, go on the front line, you know, be aware of Wednesday, you know, fall asleep Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then be awake on Sunday. If you're going to be a frontline Christian, that's where the most gunfires, that's where the most bombs right. are. You don't have time to be asleep on the front line. That's, that's right. what a resilient Christian looks like. You're not sleeping. A lot of times in my Christian life, I found myself, you know, I come to Sunday service, I come to Wednesday service, I go to choir, don't do good at choir, but I still go. <laughs> hey, but, uh, you know, you find yourself, you know, you, you know, you look at what you do and you think, you know, I think this is good enough for Christ. I think this is good enough service uh, for God. But, you know, it's never, it's never enough when it comes to God's standard. We always want to be pushing to be on the, on the front lines, you know, uh, on the front lines of the battlefield. In Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, Take off my uniform, go home, and then uh, come to church. 
it's really rare for me to play, you know, a full game. That's why it's rare for my team to win. But anyways, nah. <laughs> nah, but I had to leave halfway. And I remember one time I was taking off my uh, my jersey, putting on my my uh, school uniform, and he came up to me and he said, "Are you leaving halfway?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Are you are you going to church?" And he knows I was going to church. I told him like 300 times before that I was going to church. But he's like, "Are you going to church?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, door 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 door," because if you just miss one service, God won't be angry. Trust me, trust me. And I was thinking, uh, I don't think so. But you know, he was. If you're gonna be resilient, you're gonna have to forget the things you just sacrifice in order to be a resilient Christian. Uh, you know, if you're gonna have to leave halfway, you know, you're gonna have to leave halfway. And uh, in John 21 3, John 21 3. <clears throat> Say unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Here we see again the importance of resilience not on yourself but also on others. If you find yourself, you know, you know, mesmerizing, you know, you know, trying to remember those things that you had to sacrifice in order to be a more resilient Christian. It's really obvious to your fellow, you know, younger Christians or you know, uh, those who haven't been saved uh, as long. You see here, Peter, he's the first one to say, "I go a fishing." Notice how Peter didn't say, "I go a fishing, want to come with me." He didn't invite his fellow brothers and sisters to go fishing with him, but yet they do. You don't need to invite a fellow brother or sister to, uh, you know, fall back. Or to backslide, you don't need to invite them. They yep. will know when you backslide, and they yep. will be influenced by it. You don't need to, you know, uh, come to church and you know say, you know, you didn't like the preaching. You go out and then you, you know, I'm gonna not come for a few services. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come to church. You know, because you know you're angry, and uh, you know younger Christians they'll pick up on it, and you don't need to tell that Christian, you know, don't come to the services. It's okay to miss a few. They will know. They will pick it up from you. You know. You, you yep. don't need to sell. You know. If if you go and I've noticed this as well. You know. If I go to the snack box and I take snacks, you know, they're waiting for lunch. If I close the door, you'll hear it open up again, and you'll see Boo and Muffa going to take snacks as well. I didn't need to tell them to go and take snacks. They're waiting for lunch. They already picked it up. The same way that Peter said. Peter said, "I go fishing." And they said, we'll come with you. The younger Christians will always take an initiative because they look up to you. So resilience, if you're not going to be a resilient Christian, the, your brothers and sisters who are maybe younger than you or older than you, but younger, you, younger than you in terms of how long they've been in the faith, they will pick up on it. So we ought to be a resilient Christian. So a resilient Christian is a frontline Christian. Number three, we see... Uh, Number three, a resilient Christian. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 3. 
history. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Uh, verse, uh, I'll see verse 5. And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given <clears throat> unto us. So we see here a resilient Christian, much like the frontline Christian, is not ashamed. A resilient he cannot be a resilient Christian and be ashamed of God because that will never work hand in hand. If you're ashamed of God, you will never be a resilient Christian. If you, uh, I remember, you know, when you when you're young, and I see this a lot. I, I told the, the youth on uh, Zoom, you see it a lot at uh, at team camp. You know, you see uh, the little you know little children who maybe haven't been. You know, one as a, as mature, one as you know, haven't lived as long a life. You see that they have, you know, they don't care what's you know going around them. They don't they don't see you know the faces that people make. You know, they don't care if it's embarrassing. To them, they're just pressing on for the Lord. And a lot of times, we need to be like you know those children who aren't scared to go knock on the door, aren't scared to hand out a track. You know, uh, as Andre said, you know, you'll see, you know, the younger youth, and they'll go, and they don't have any sense of embarrassment yet. So they don't care if, you know, the person is, you know, looks angry or having a bad day. They'll just, you know, go up to them and give them a track. And a lot of times, uh, we pride ourselves in being, you know, too old to, you know, do those things, and we end up being embarrassed or ashamed of the world. And that's, we can't be resilient if we're ashamed uh, of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, a popular verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, you know, a lot of times we see, uh, I don't know what it is about the word all, but the world seems to have you know different defi definitions for all. So, in the Bible, uh, we can see this because in the Bible it says, uh, you know, uh, for all have sinned. We know all means all. But a lot of times, you know, other people like to think all means some people. No. And that's the same thing in this verse. All doesn't mean, you know, uh, sometimes, maybe this time, not that time. All means all. So, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I remember my first time uh, preaching uh, the word in the church, I think was... Uh, for uh, I think the prayer prayer vigil, I think it was for prayer vigil, and I was preaching. There were two preachers. It was me and Andre. And I remember before I went up to preach, I was you know extremely nervous. I had written a lot of words, but by the time I finished preaching, it was only like five minutes because I was too nervous. I skipped like four points. I was going in and in because I realized that you know I wasn't preaching. I realized how I, I thought I was, you know, the audience was just you guys. And I was nervous of you guys because you guys are scary. No, <laughs> no but, you know, uh, I didn't realize that, you know, where two of you are gathered there in my midst of them, that's the person who, you know, Amen. Be, you know, nervous of. If you're yep. going to come and preach, if you're going to come and preach, where there's two people, three people, a thousand people, I don't care if it was just one person, every time I come up here, I'm nervous because we know that between those seats, those seats that are empty, there's someone sitting there that, 
you know, you should be fearful of. So, uh, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. So, all things through Christ. A lot of times, you know, we say, oh, I was trying to be resilient, but, you know, it ended up worse for me. You know, uh, you know, I was trying to push through, or ended up, you know, harming, you know, doing it. Uh, it didn't work out for the greater good. We need to ask ourselves, where are we doing it through Christ and for Christ? A lot of times, things that we seem, uh, that seem noble in our eyes, or that seem godly in our eyes, uh, we do it, and we feel like, uh, you know, there was no effect. And we need to realize that we do it, and we do it for the Lord. It's not just we do it, and then, you know, you know, ticked off. You know, we don't come to church uh, on Sunday morning and take attendance, you know, oh, is this person here, this person here? Because we don't do it for uh, each other, we do it for the Lord. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 8. 2 uh, Peter 3 8. 2 <clears throat> Peter chapter 3 verse 8 reads, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, but one day, uh, of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. A thousand years as one day. When we went out tracking the first time, I remember there was a I was tracking, and there was a lady behind me who saw that it was a gospel track, and then she started uh, heckling at me. Uh, this is like, uh, what's the brother's name that was preaching on the first time we went? I'm not sure what his name is, but there was another person preaching, Philip, and he crossed the road, and she saw Philip as well, and she sort of you know. Put the two together, oh, you know, these guys are Christian. And I was handing out the gospel track, and I remember she, she started handing to her. She was like, What's that you're handing out? It's like, Oh, it's a gospel track. Well, uh, would you like one of this? And he was like, No, 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 no. You know, I, I waited how long for God, and He hasn't answered me. She said, You know, the world has waited so long for God to come back, and He hasn't <coughs> shown Himself, or I've prayed unto God, and He, he doesn't answer me. I know I've waited how many years of my life. I've wasted waiting for God and he hasn't, you know, answered. And, you know, to a non-believer, you know, that makes sense, you know. Why wouldn't, you know, uh, God come you know, after, you know, saying he was going to come thousands of years ago? And the first thing I have to say is, if you're not a born-again believer today, the second coming of Christ is not something you're looking forward to. It's not something you should be, you know, you know, oh, coming for, you know, why isn't he coming back again? No, because we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes back a second time, He's not coming to die for our sins. Yep, that's you know, right. He's already, he's already done it once, and he, he only needs to do it once. So if you're not, you know, saved, you're not born again believer, the second coming, you know, it's not something that you should be worried about. In fact, you should pray He doesn't come until you're saved. That's right. Yeah, you, know, you shouldn't be looking forward to it. That's um, right. She, I guess it's a, a valid question. You know, why, why, you know, he, we ask, you know, God to do something and He takes so long. If you're a resilient Christian. You know that you're not doing this on your timeline. You're doing it on God's timeline. Yep. As you read there in the verse, as a thousand years, oh, then one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The way that time passes for us is different to God. That's right. To us, the things that happened in the Bible were just yesterday for Him. You know, you know, when Moses split the waters to Him, that was just a few minutes ago. You know, we you know like to think you know uh, you know if I you know pray this 
and needs to come within you know two day shipping. Anything less, that's not it. You know, I'm complaining to God. I'm running a better I don't know. But we need to realize that if you want to be a resilient Christian, it's going to be tough for you if you're not on God's timeline. If you're not on God's calendar. So if you're if you're a resilient Christian, we ought to wait on the Lord. Amen. Uh, second. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 16. 2 Timothy 4 16. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their change. If you're going to be a resilient Christian, the news is that if you want to be a resilient Christian, oftentimes it's a lonely road. Being a resilient Christian, oftentimes you, the reason you have to step up is because you're the only one. That's a lot of, a lot of times the reason why... Uh, a lot of times when we see a resilient Christian come up, it's because they're the only one in that environment. And if you're going to be a resilient Christian because you want to be popular, that's not going to work. You know, if you, if you want to be a resilient Christian, if you want to get through these, these hard times, because at the end, you're going to be, you know, you're going to come back to us and throw flowers at you. No, that's not going to happen. Being a resilient Christian, uh, oftentimes, you know, we talk about it in, uh, we learn about it in uh, team camp. You often, uh, when you're being tested, you usually won't be in the majority. You'll usually be in the minority when you're being tested. And uh, I forgot who the speaker was, but uh, he said something that really stuck with me in his step. Uh, I don't know word for word, but it's not important how many are behind you, but who is behind you. And we see that in the next verse, 2 Timothy 4.17. Christian life, 
and he needed, he wasn't really uh, the best at memorizing, mm. he wasn't the best at reading or, you know, his work. Yeah, uh, if you don't know his name is Matthew, you would have seen him before. He came two weeks ago, and he, he wasn't the best at reading or writing, but, <clears throat> uh, you know, we were trying to push him to do his verses, and before, you know, I was just the usual, you know, I saw that he didn't have much verses, and I thought he was just, you know, slacking. But after a while, I'd see him, and we'd be, you know, taking a break in the games, or there'll be, you know, a small break, and he'd still be trying to memorize his verses. And it wasn't that he was slacking, it's just that, you know, he wasn't the best at memorizing. And then, you know, we tried doing, uh, like, a uh, linking the words in the verse with an action. So like, there'll be a verse, I don't know, example, uh, it says here, oh, it's because I was in Hebrews. Okay, um, Second Timothy 4.17, it says, notwithstanding the Lord, so if say, the memory verse says the word Lord, and we point up, and then make it easier for him to remember that it was the word Lord. And uh, one time, remember, we're doing it, and we're doing it where there was a lot of people. And he already told me before that uh, he doesn't really have good social skills. And I remember it was just, we were still like trying to figure out if this action thing worked. And he started doing the actions, and behind him you could hear sort of smirking or like uh, they're not laughing aloud, but you could tell that there are people who were you know, oh, you know, what is this kid doing? Or what is that? And you know that can be really discouraging. And I tell you, if I came up here and I, you know, started doing memory verses and I was forgetting word after word after word and I had to do actions to help me and I heard someone laughing behind me, to be honest, I just, you know, I just leave. Because, it's, you know, it's really disheartening if I was, especially if it's a new Christian. This isn't someone who's been in the, you know, been in the works. It's, this is a new Christian and I was sort of, you know, you know, I was sort of like, oh, hopefully he isn't, he isn't discouraged. You know what he said to me afterwards? Let's just go to a quieter place where I can do all of them. That's a resilient Christian. People laughing behind him, people, you know, smirking behind him, you know, murmuring. And he doesn't say, oh, let's take a break. Let's just go somewhere else so we can finish the work. That's what he said. That was a resilient Christian. And, you know, when it came down to it, as you heard in Matthew's testimony, many people who, you know, are obviously have no trouble with reading and writing, didn't finish their verses. But Matthew, uh, who was uh, pastor, who was the pastor that we handed in our verses to? Pastor Watt. Pastor Watt is counting down in the uh, in the dining room to give our verses in. Counting down, and you know what uh, Matthew is doing? He's still at it. He's still trying to get that last verse. He's still trying to, to memorize. People are already, you know, out, they're having fun, you know, oh, you know, the last proper day of camp, let's go have some fun. And you see here, the most resilient Christian there that I saw was someone who was only saved recently. You know, a lot of times, uh, being a resilient Christian, I don't know uh, about, you know, you older ones, but along the, the years, and the years have gone by, there's been a trend that hasn't been the best. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but along the way in society, it's become uncool to try. It's become, you know, yeah. uh, you know, oh, look at this, you know, guy who's trying. Why is he trying, man? Just relax. 
You see a lot of that, especially if you play sports, especially if you play basketball. I know, I know especially for me because I'm a defensive first player. I don't like you know, playing offense, I'd rather play you know, defense. And the thing with defense is, if you play defense hard, you're trying too much. You know, why, what are you doing? Why are you playing basketball that hard? You, know? you can go as much as you want on offense, as soon as you start trying on defense, you know, that, oh, what a try hard. You know, and uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, in our Christian lives, that can be the case with us. Maybe we've, you know, got that mentality that in our Christian lives, being, you know, it's possible to be too spiritual. Why are you trying to? Why are you reading a Bible so much? Why do you go to church when the game is on? Why can't you just take a little break? You know, and a lot. We need. We don't need. Uh, we need to, you know, get rid of that mindset if we have it. That. Yep. You know, trying is never uncool, or it's never, you know, weird. It's never, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's never uncool to try too hard for God. Yep. And you can't try too much for God because yep. you'll never meet the standard. So don't yep. worry about being uncool. Yep. You know, you'll, you'll never try too hard when it comes to uh, your Christian life. I remember one time uh, when I was in the A grade, my captain. Uh, he's this, you know, uh, he, he was shot. He was around five, five, four when he first came into college, and now he's like the same height as me. And I remember uh, we were talking, we were having a game with Rutherford. So I'm from Rutherford, and we're having a game with Rutherford. And I remember we we're playing at lunchtime, and you know, lunchtime finished, last period went away, and we we're you know all in the gym. We still had like two hours for a game, and there was a lot of talk about. Oh, you know, we're, we're playing you guys. Are we trying to? You know, are we playing? We're just playing Rutherford B. We're just playing, you know, the lower team. Hey, should we try tonight? You know, I don't want to try hard. I don't want to look like a try hard. That's what the conversations were before the game was over. I want to try too hard. And then our captain snapped. His name is Vance. Uh, he came in and he said, What do you mean, try too hard? There's only one way to play basketball. You only play that way or you get out of the team. Now that's something that's really that's really hard. But a lot of times when you play a sport, you gotta realize that there's only one way to play. In our Christian lives, there's only one way to play. Yep. If you're not gonna go hard, if you're not gonna go hard, be resilient, you're not playing the right way. Yep. You're playing the wrong way. Yeah. Yep. That's something that after he told me, you know, it was, you know, oh, this guy's pretty smart. <laughs> but you know, that's you know, one of the reasons why he's the captain. When he plays a game, it doesn't matter whether it's against the C team, whether against the D team, the E team, whether against you know a lower grade, he only plays the game of basketball one way. And that's the same with us Christians. It doesn't matter whether we're in the workplace, it doesn't matter you know whether there's no Christian friends beside us, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's uh, you know just a holiday or if it's just the weekends. If you're not being a resilient Christian, that's not the way to play this Christian life. That's not yep. you know it, there's only one way, uh, you know, we're going to get through this game, and we ought to do it properly, and that's being a resilient Christian. So, I'll just go over uh, the points. So, number one, <clears throat> resilience as a choice. So, number one, resilience as a choice. Don't wait till the last minute to, you know, be prepared. Uh, I say that, but... A lot of times I wait until the last minute to be repaired. But, you know, don't wait until the last minute, you know, to be, to be you know, thinking you're going to be brave or you're going to stand up for yourself. 
No, resilience is a choice that's made before in preparation for the trials to come after. It's always a choice. Secondly, <clears throat> a resilient Christian is a frontline Christian. You can never, you know, do too much for God. We always want to press for that front line. And we remember that in the front line, we don't have time to look back at what we sacrificed in order to be that resilient Christian. We don't have time for that. We ought to just look forward, keep pressing on. And we know that, uh, lastly, a resilient Christian, God has his own timeline. If God has his own timeline and his own, you know, clock, what is the appropriate time to start pressing forward? Never. If it's God's timeline, you don't know when God's coming back, just press on until you're in the grave. Yeah. You know, if you don't know when, when God is coming back, no need to, to complain that he's not here yet. Just keep pressing on until, you know, yep. you're at the finish line. So, that was being a resilient Christian. Main thing is, you know, just press on. You know, it's really hard, especially, you know, a lot of times we find ourselves as like, a, you know, I don't know. A lot of times I like to like make myself, you know, victim. You know, mom, I go to school and, you know, public school is a lot of temptation. You know, we're not victims, we're soldiers, you know. Yep. We ought to just press on, we ought to just see what God has in store for us and be that resilient Christian. So resilience, the ability to get through tough things. And that's only something that we can do with the Lord. Let's go to the Lord of prayer. Lord, we thank you for uh, bringing us here, Lord. We pray, Lord, that uh, you spoke your word only, Lord, and that uh, we learned something, we're reminded of something. Help us also to be more resilient for you. Help us also to, uh, Lord, uh, to lean on your arms only, Lord, and to press on, Lord, whether there be uh, one person in support or two people in support of us. As long as we know you're behind us, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us, Lord, give us strength in our legs, Lord, to press on for your glory, Lord, and uh, lift up the rest of tonight towards you, Lord, for us for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.